Mojo Injection, episode 36. It's great to be back chatting about all things wellness and lifestyle. It's been a really good week for children's mental health, going into schools, chatting about it, finding out what's going on with the kids, chatting to BBC Radio about the new guidelines around social media and what we can do to look after ourselves and um, our young people. Um, Loads of pressure, but loads of amazing parts of um, social media too. So that's been really good. Um, This week, I'm delighted to have Michael Ujoa and Emma Dempsey from Fourth Coaching um, chatting around all kind of issues. So a lot of you have been asking about the talk we did at the Wellbeing Festival. I'm sharing that with you now, very uncut, loads of good tips and it ties in great with Children's Mental Health Week and everything we're doing on social media. Um, But first, I want to say a huge thanks to my friends at Wagamama for supporting this episode. Wagamama is a place I love to go for mindful eating, mindful colouring. I adore the fact they're doing so much work with mind around mental health and really encouraging their restaurants to be a safe place for people. Soulful suppers, um, look out for that. Hopefully be coming to Scotland soon and I'm keen to get involved with that myself. Loads of um, amazing awareness around our mental health and I love how much they are into mindfulness because having been studying it myself, um, I'm learning so much. It's transformational and I'm really excited to have Gary join me in Wagamama next week um, to have some mindful eating and bring you a podcast. Gary is the founder of the Mindful Enterprise and he's just a phenomenal guy, really well trained and this course is having a huge impact on my year um, so I can't wait to share more of that with you in Wagamama. So thanks to those guys for constantly supporting. Um, Yep, I'm a fan for life and love collaborating with them. So I'm going to share a snippet now from my chat with the BBC. I'd love to get your thoughts on this, guys. So please keep them coming my way. And let's create a little network of safety online and have each other's backs. Um, and I'm really thankful to have Michael Ujoa and Emma Dempsey from Fourth Coaching um, giving their pearls of wisdom and great chat. Thank you. Below on A2295 on the text. Jojo Fraser is an author, a podcaster, a blogger as well. Jojo, morning. Good morning. How morning. are you doing? I am fine today. How well I'm not, I've got the cold, but I've got my celery juice here for after 10, so that's going to sort things out because it's a miracle uh-huh. potion, apparently. Yeah, we'll find out. Um, you're a mum as as well as everything else. How does it work in your home, Jojo? Right, I started talking about this early 2007 and I put quotes on the blog and I wrote in the book and I speak about all the time, get that phone off the dinner table. It's all about balance, but I think when you're sitting, those are kind of precious times, aren't they? You're enjoying your food, you get to hear a little bit of chat. Um, it's tricky because I get all the amazing things. I mean, social media gives me a job. Um, but at the same time, we just got to be so careful. I mean, stats speak for themselves, right? So I was speaking in schools this week for Children's Mental Health Week, and they were all saying, yeah, we're on Instagram and Snapchat. And I'm saying, well, what pictures are you posting? They're saying, my new trainers, when I'm on holiday, um, when I win a game. And I'm saying, well, that's great, but we need to remember that people are posting their best bits online. Now, an article that comes, that people are searching, we find on organic search through to my website, is people are searching in, why aren't people liking my Facebook post? Why are people unfollowing me on Instagram? And this is down to our ego, right? It's a part of our mind that can be really hard to live with. 
Now, we need a little bit of ego, but not too much of it. And that's what starts to really spiral these mental health conditions, you know, when we're not being mindful, when we're scrolling in the news feeds, when we're litting, you know, these things impact their ego. So for teenagers, it can be a really dangerous breeding ground for mental health conditions, anxiety, stress, comparison. Um, and, and these can really spiral, you know. So I started meditating with my six-year-old to get her off the screen at night. Um, four-year-old doesn't like it as much. She keeps jumping on her head. But, you know, you can have these uh, children's meditation apps just to really get them kind of the mind to slow down and be a bit more present. Um, and, yeah, there's lots of things we can do. So take the kids swimming a lot more because I know if we're at home, they're going to be on those screens. They're very addictive. I feel my hands kind of start to shuffle a little bit. Oh, I've not been on in a few hours. Right, what's happening? So I get it. They're so addictive. But is there any difference, Jojo, from um, kids sitting watching TV and picking up, you know, teen mags, which were full of images of unattainable bodies and looks that were unattainable and lifestyles that were just dreams. Is there any difference from that and Instasham, Instagram, and what people see online? Instasham. Um, I just think there's a lot more pressure because there's a lot more of it and we can't switch off from it. You know, in my day, you know, I'm mid-30s, I love my TV time. I love my Sega Mega Drive. That was brilliant. I am not against them having screen time, but I think it's important we get involved with what they're watching. Um, my little girl started having an American accent because she's loving this dance show. And she's like, yeah, mom. Um, but the, the plus side of that is she's doing all these dance moves, but she's getting her exercise. She gives us a little show after, so we're involved. Um, but they're all making, wearing makeup, so she's rifling through my makeup bag. And then she comes down with all this makeup, and I'm going, you're sick. Um, I think there's, you know, there's pros and cons. I think with the screens, though, they're more addictive because they're holding them in their hands, you know, they're interacting, you can, there's so much choice, so it's easier to be addicted. Um, And I think making plans, for me, is key with younger kids to get them out of the house because I know myself, if we're in the house and they're sitting happily on the screen, I'm going to write articles, I'm working on my next book, so I'll get a little chapter in, perhaps, Um, and that's fine to have downtime, but I just think we need to balance it. We need to be really careful about what's being consumed. Um, the key is, for me, getting involved as a parent, you know, showing, getting the kids to do their dance moves that they've learned or speaking about Instagram and saying, they're really nice pictures, but that's not all the time and it's okay to feel sad. That's called being a human. And uh, these are really normal feelings, normalising our mental health, normalising this sort of stuff. So do we need advice like uh, we've received this morning from the chief medical officers? Or should should every parent know as a responsible parent what to do and what not to do? No, we do need advice because the stats speak for themselves, which is why I started campaigning a few years ago about this. You know, it's, it's really serious. Our mental health is really serious. And, you know, there was a picture this week of all the kids that have committed suicide and that they had trainers to as a sort of symbol of that. And that really, really moved me. And I think we do need to wake up. And it's very easy to get sucked in like robots. We can all become robots at times. We're humans, you know, and we're not perfect. But I think there's a lot of um, dangerous elements of it. And we do need to be talking about it. And some people do need guidelines. Of course, absolutely. So so what we've been told this morning, the guidelines set by the chief medical officers are uh, keep the screens away from bedtime, keep the screens away from the dinner table, make sure maybe two hours is the max that any child can be on it, and parents, set a good example yourselves. Anything else that you would... The Scottish Government are going to produce their own guidelines on this. 
if you were writing those guidelines, what would you put in them? What would you say, Jojo? Um, so I've got a whole chapter in my book about this. Um, it's all about mojo injections and our mental health and trying to make it fun and relatable for people. But a big thing I speak about is a screen detox. So we do that on a Sunday, and that's where we would go away for the day. And I would take my camera, and sometimes as a blogger as well, I'm reviewing stuff, so I need to take images. But I would take my camera and get clips, and then I can put them up later. So having those five, six hours in the day, um, you know, being out, fresh air, um, chatting, being present, you know, feeling, oh, I'm holding these little hands, you know, actually being aware of that rather than rushing about and uh, not really taking it in. Um, I think days like that are kind of worthy of a last day. You know, if you knew you were going to be hit by a bus the next day, I would die happily knowing that I'd had that time with my family, you know. Um, I just think it's so easy when we're at home to get sucked into the screens. And as I say, there's great things about our screens. I'm not dissing it. It gives me a job. It helps me get speaking gigs and all that stuff for awareness. And it will give our kids so many opportunities. So many. It's brilliant. But we need to have guidelines. We need to have detox. Certainly at night, a couple of hours before bed, if we can. I know that's not always realistic. Um, but really embracing things like water, like hot baths, um, going swimming. Um, and just, yeah, limiting time. Limiting it. Uh, I think the guidelines are pretty spot on, but I would add to it a nice detox, like a half day or a full day if you can, Just like family trips out. properly switch off that internet at the wall. Switch off, switch off yeah. and... Uh... And relax. Jojo, thanks for your time this morning. Jojo Fraser, she's a mum, she's an author and podcast. She lives in that world, but she's got strict rules at home. Do you go along with them? What do you think of that? 80295 to text us. Uh, Shan's done that. She says, I agree with Sharon, who called you earlier. The social side of media has a detrimental effect on mental health. Tom, your technology expert, sounds like he's sensible about how he manages his own children. How
provide a kind of fitness and nutrition side to this talk, hopefully. Lovely, and I'm Emma, I'm a life coach, and I have had the honour of working with Jojo this last year, um, which has been a real privilege. So we're all here, and we're kind of hoping it's going to be a relaxed vibe, and what did we say it'd be like just being in our living room? Yeah, just kick back, <laughs> <laughs> uh, feel at home. Feel free to get a cup of tea. So we're going to talk a little bit just about Jojo's book, and really I just wanted to ask you, what, what made you write this book? Right, so I've always wanted to write a book, and I was writing as a little girl, mum has novels, like notebooks, full of my secrets and ways I can help people through my own mistakes, and that's always been something I wanted to do, so I had to make enough mistakes to fill a whole book. So I started writing it at uh, 25 years old, um, and I got a good chapter in and thought, right, we've got something here, but I need to make some more mistakes. So uh, once I launched the blog, uh, and I really realised that people wanted very honest content that held nothing back and pushed all ego aside, because I believe a massive issue is this thing called our ego. This thing that we all have in our mind that we want to impress people, we want to impress ourselves, we want to put on this show, and um, I think it pulls us back from what I call my mojo. Um, now, you might not like the word mojo. I go with that because it rhymes with my name, Jojo Mojo. So, uh, but it's not a gimmick. It's actually really serious and something I feel really passionately about, that little bit of magic. So you at the front and you in the middle and you at the back, everyone that's come here today has a little bit of magic inside them, right? Something that makes you special, something that makes you you. But there's a lot of bullshit going on as well at the moment. And... Um, yeah, and it pulls us away from that, that little piece of magic when we're being spontaneous, when we're not worrying about our ego, when we're not worrying about how many likes we have on social media or what that person thinks about us and all these voices that we get every day. Um, fear, doubt, jealousy, judging others. All these things that pull us away from that happy state that we're meant to be in. So, um, does that answer the question? <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. So, that's so why get it out there. Okay, nice. Um, there's a lot of chapters in the book. How many is there? Oh, uh, 14, 14 with a toolkit in the end and uh, the publisher mm -hmm. offered a deluxe edition, colour print, um, but that's not here today. <laughs> I mean, yeah, every chapter has a toolkit at the end to give you some kind of mojo injection. As I say, it sounds gimmicky, but it's actual serious advice that hopefully you can take with you in the day-to-day -day life. So what chapters in the book, what the feedback that you got, what chapters most resonated with people who've read the book? Oh, right. So every chapter is brutally honest, and I cannot believe my father-in-law has read it. That's all I'm going to say. Um, all ego was pushed aside when I wrote it, and now I'm doing the audible recording, I'm thinking, do I actually write that? Now I have to say it out loud. Um, the first chapter was really raw, and it was about the first time I came into contact with a mental health um, condition with my dad, and I've always had really chronic anxiety, which I've been able to manage. Um, but if you told me I would be doing this kind of stuff, you know, 15 years ago, I would have been like, what? Um, and my dad and I are so similar, and when he was diagnosed with severe depression, what I did was I made it about me, and I took it personally, and I thought, what have I done wrong? Why is he not being the dad that I know? Why is he pushing me away? 
And then I realised that there's so much stigma still there, and there's so much fear to talk openly about these things you struggle with. These things that could start off as stress or comparisons, they build into full-blown depression, which I saw with my best friend. And Dad, that's not that guy. He's not that guy. Um, but any of us could be that guy or that girl. Depression can hit any of us. So starting to really study that and, and talk openly about that, that had a huge impact on people, actually. Um, and people, we need more awareness of people that have those in the family with addiction or illness. So being able to talk about that and support for people that are caring for those in the family. Um, I had uh, chapter two, so the first two chapters are quite heavy, but I speak a lot about acceptance. And um, for those of you that know Lynette Gray, she's a kind of healer, a meditation guru in the city. She was on her stories crying, reading chapter two on the bus, and she, was, she tagged me in the story. It's about accepting all of these things that happen in our life that we have no control over, and how we use that. So I've interviewed hundreds of people that have had the toughest lives. I'm talking, you can think of it, things they've been through, and they've turned it into a positive. They've used this brutal experience, and they've been able to flip it around. So that talks very openly about tools and, and how we can get to that place where we're accepting things and turning it into a positive. Um, perfect mum. So whether you're a parent or not in this room, we'll all hear these voices, right? So raise your hand if you've never compared yourself to another you know, parent or a, another couple on Instagram. Have you, raise your hand? Okay, so, so, so we all want to be, you know, chapter three at the start, and the quote says, you know, we're not made to be perfect, but there's this pressure to be perfect. And with Instagram, you know, it, it's, it just builds and it builds. And you talk about this, and we'll get to this shortly, but there's a lot of bull out there. And take things at face value, and, and these voices just get louder and louder. We need to learn to actually tell them to pipe down. Let's focus on all the good things about us and stop comparing our life to everyone else. Because the chances of us all being here is one in... I think it's 15 billion or something crazy like that. So everyone in this room has something amazing about them. We don't need to compare our lives to anyone else, but we still do it. But it's just learning to train that brain. Um, so, yeah. Lovely. Your book is brutally honest. Um, I'm sure a lot of you have read it, and I know that was really appreciated by people. And um, you talk about this kind of need for honesty. What do you think that does for the people who are reading your book? That honesty and that kind of vulnerability, I suppose, that you display so beautifully. I think it just allows a conversation because I would love everyone in this room after this to just talk openly, you know, and you know, tell. You don't have to broadcast like I do and <laughs> make it, you know. You can just tell one person. Any issue you have, you can just tell one person, start that conversation because we're all freaks, you know, we're all weird and wonderfully made. We're all, I mean, weirdness is not a bad thing. It's actually a really good thing. Who wants, does anyone want to be totally normal? Like, what, what, what even is normal, you know? My son always says he can't call anybody weird because everyone is weird. Yes, <laughs> and, and what's wrong with Words you? Words of What is wrong with you? And, and to admit and to be able to sort of laugh about these weird things and these fears we have and these worries so so yeah but there's lots in there there's lots in there so that's um i'm curious to what you said earlier and uh, i know that i this has just come into my head but this idea that 15 years ago you never would have thought that you would be here on the stage talking about this stuff so what would you have, what would your 15 years ago self 
thought of that they knew that you were here now? I mean, I used to, drama helped me with anxiety, but it was a different character. And here I am, you know, bearing my soul to get other people to share because we are all flawed and we all have these issues. I just wanted to be really cool and normal for us to talk openly about our mental health. Whatever it is you're struggling with. And we all have it. We all have mental health. We all have a mind. And there's so much we can do and I'm continuing to explore what we can do. Um, so I think that's key in collaborating with people like yourself and Michael and, and the work you do. And I think it's really special, which is why I wanted to have you in the book, what you're doing on Instagram, because you're saying to people, you don't have to take these diet pills. You know, you're, you're kind of very out there about what you do with Kim Kardashian. We're speaking about her earlier this morning. You know, she's in a really powerful place and she's promoting appetite suppressant lollipops to young kids. Now, this, there's nothing funny about that, but it's allowed to go on and you're challenging it. You're going to be massive. Um, you, well, you already are to me, but I mean, <laughs> you're, what you're doing is, is so clever and that's why I wanted to have you involved from a fitness point of view. I don't want people, I'm just sick of it. I don't know if you want to... No, 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 I completely agree. And I think, um, I spoke about this in my talk earlier as well, all the people that sell these supplements, like, they don't care about you and your health. The only thing they care about is kind of making a bit of money, and they don't care whether your health suffers as a result. I think the reason we got on so well is because we both, we care so much for a start. That's kind of why we started doing what we're both doing. Um, but we also are both pretty blunt and not afraid to speak our minds. Um, and yeah, there's a lot of crap within the fitness industry, the wellness industry, where yeah, people just don't seem to care about your health. It's all about money. I'm sure you probably completely agree with yeah, that. Yeah, I just want to pull a JCG. It's not about the money, money, money. <laughs> it's not about the money. I mean, it's it's really annoying. It's just, uh, and it's happening. And the, the thing is, there's nothing we can do to stop it happening. Well, there is stuff we can do, but there is always going to be that side. But we need to get a little like team of people just to to not shut up about it and say, look, it's not okay that teenagers are having these lollipops. It's not okay that we are made to feel like we have to look perfect all the time or that we have to go on that diet, we have to take that shake. And fundamentally, it's about our happiness. And there's lots of things we can do from a nutritional point of view. Anxiety, I mean, what are the triggers for people that suffer with anxiety or stress? Yeah, absolutely. So, once again, I mentioned in my talk earlier, so if you've got a diet that is high in kind of processed food, junk food, alcohol, I think you have a 60% chance increase of experiencing mental health um, symptoms, um, so kind of anxiety and depression. So I think nutrition is something that's massively underplayed. Um, and I don't think people realise how important it is until they sort their diet out. And when you're eating foods that really fuel you, foods that kind of make you feel good, it can completely change your life. So that's kind of what kick-started my journey in nutrition. Um, initially, I liked lifting weights, I liked playing sports, it was fun, it kind of made me feel good, but I think the mental health play over with that is huge, and people don't quite realise how big an impact their diet can have on mental health. So yeah, I know we've spoken for many hours about nutrition and its impact, so we did some coaching for a short period of time as well, and yeah, I've got so many clients that come to me for physical health, but then the mental health benefits are just even bigger aspect of that. And it's things like you might not be aware of, but caffeine, the impact. Mm -hmm. Like I used to work in boutique hotels and I was having a few coffees a day with clients and I was properly getting really anxious and really stressed and, 
It was impacting my sleep. And I was like, what's wrong with me? I'm not taking drugs. I'm not drinking loads. Why am I feeling this way? My mum's a bit of a wise owl, and she's saying, how strong are the coffee shops? And actually, they were coffee shops. Yeah, double or triple sometimes. So just having a limit on your caffeine, like it could really spin you out. I've just um, had a coffee, I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm giving you a panic attack all the same. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's powerful. It's really powerful. Um, and we can come back to that. I, we also speak about, you know, the reason why. And I think that's really important because everyone in here, you might have massive goals or, or small goals or whatever for this year. And it's working out what your reason why is, because we spoke about that, you know, where, if it is that you want to lose some weight, there's nothing wrong with that. If the doctor says you could do with losing some weight, fine. But it's really thinking about what your why is so that you carry on, or why do I want to be happier? Why, why do I want to get stronger? You know, and, and you challenge people. Oh yeah, it's huge. So as soon as someone kind of sets fitness goals, you need to kind of have a meaning behind it. So a lot of people do come to me and say, like, I want to lose weight. So why do you want to lose weight? If you don't have a good enough reason why, then you're really going to struggle. Mm -hmm. So just saying I want to be a certain size just has no meaning. But if you want to be able to run around with your kids without feeling out of breath, that can play a huge role in making you stick to your fitness goals and make some big changes. Yeah, it's powerful. We had a really powerful session on goals this week and it was one of those moments I was like, <gasps> you were like, are you okay? Because I'm all about self-development and I feel we all need self-development. And what I mean, different things to different people. So, for example, I'm doing a mindfulness course with the Mindful Enterprise um, to really tune into my mindfulness skills and, and try and push the critical thoughts further away and go in my zen because you say you're happy when you're present. We've been doing life coaching and you are a powerhouse girl. I mean, Thank you. This girl's worked in the industry for over 20 years and the things she's doing in the life coaching space and the questions she asks, but it was like one of the questions she asked, we were talking around mindful eating and things like that, and just these probing questions that make you think, oh, right, that's powerful. Um, how are you finding the mental health industry at the moment in all the work that you do? The mental health industry, I mean, I work with people who are predominantly well, um, I would say, so they don't come to me with like complex mental health issues. Um, I don't really know what you mean by the mental health Yeah, that's probably the wrong word. How are you finding from a mental health point of view, okay? Uh -huh. See, for people here that want to make changes or they mm -hmm. want a bit of a boost, right? We speak a lot about growth mm -hmm. in the book. And mm -hmm. in chapter six, it's very, you know, we all have these limiting beliefs, mm -hmm. don't we? Yeah. So everyone in here yeah. will have a limiting belief, like, I'm not good enough at this, or why would I write a book? Like, who's going to want to write? Like, yeah. why would I do this? Why would I attempt public speaking? It's terrifying. It's the number one fear in the world. Whatever it is, your story is. We tell ourselves these stories. Mm -hmm. We are all bound by these beliefs. I mean, you know, beliefs can be great. They can propel us forward and, and, and you know, make us really kind of move forward with life. But they can also hold us back. Incredibly powerful, yet subtle as well, that we don't even know that we have them. So it's my job as a coach to kind of call them out, you know. So if somebody's coming to me going, Oh, I could never do that thing, well, you know, let's just think about that. Why could you never do that thing? And sometimes just that challenge of challenging that belief is enough to overcome it, and that can happen like in a moment, and it's incredibly powerful. And for me, I've worked in health and development for a long time, but what led me to coaching is because I was off work with uh, acute anxiety. Um, and I 
felt like I was going mad and I went to see, or I spoke to my friend who's a counsellor and I think, I said, I think I'm losing my mind. Um, and she said, well, I know this person, uh, she's a coach, why don't you go and see her? I was like, coach? I work in public health, why would I go and see a coach? That's an ego, like why, why? I just all felt really woo-woo. I was like, why would I go and see a coach? Yeah. Went to see a coach, she was amazing. Asked me some questions, which I now know are capitalistic questions. It's what we do as coaches. We ask these questions that can uncover our beliefs that we have, our values, our assumptions. She asked me some questions that completely shifted the way I thought about stuff. And um, there were some beliefs that I had that were limiting beliefs, but actually that they weren't even my beliefs. So she asked me in that conversation when we kind of dug around a bit and I had this little limiting belief around money that I was feeling really unsafe because I'd separated and I, I was like, you know, had money issues, I was rubbish with money and she, turns out I wasn't, she'd asked me some questions, she said, well, whose belief is that? I was like, that isn't even my belief, that is a belief that is limiting me so much that I won't work ill for three weeks with this hideous acute anxiety and I can't even go anywhere. But that's not even my belief. It's like a belief that has been imposed on me by somebody else. Mm -hmm. So to say they are powerful is an understatement, and it's a really interesting thing to just sit and explore those beliefs that you have, and to, to banish them really, to call them out for what they are. I mean, I have this belief that we're capable of anything, you know, not everything, but anything. And um, yeah, yeah, it's finding that focus. But yeah. it's so true. Like you think. People, so someone could say anything to you, like if maybe you've been in a controlling relationship or you've, someone said one thing to you in childhood, it might not even be in the family environment, it takes a village to raise a child and to screw up a child, so you know, we have these stories that we carry with us and we can hold on to them and it's actually, we're all so busy, right, so we're rushing around like going from one thing to the next, trying to do our best and taking that time to actually yeah. figure out, like could everyone here say they know exactly who they are and what their values are? Have you ever tried that exercise? It's, it's really, really powerful actually. And it, it, it gets you thinking about, am I doing the right job or am I yeah. living my life the right way? Like what are my values? But so often we're just running from the next thing to the next. We don't have that yeah. quiet space. Yeah. Like I always say, like my first ever tattoo and I was never gonna get any tattoos. And I, I got this uh, Thai word passion written on my arm and I talk about it in chapter five. And uh, it was because in Thailand on a beach, sometimes it takes a holiday, right? Take yourself out of your busy world to actually see, oh, that was so wrong. Like, why was I doing that? Or why did I stay in that job for so long? Or why did I let him treat me like that? Why did I say I'd move in with him? Why, he was, you know, just having that quiet space. It's not self-indulgent, like we all need a little bit of time. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, and it's somebody challenging in those thoughts and, and somebody with an, who's objective and like, why are you thinking that thing? Why are you doing that thing? And is that really enriching your life? Is that going to enable you to flourish? Mm -hmm. So yeah, somebody asking you those questions. And I do, I do write and speak quite openly about the fact that so many of us who don't feel heard because listening is, I think we need to teach kids how to listen, and you were saying in your coaching space, sometimes people just want to chat and, and, and be heard rather than, oh, it's not just about weight loss and lifting these weights. I just want someone to listen to me. Yeah, a lot of the time my coaching does come down to that. I think you become more of a facilitator than a coach, and you just kind of guide someone in the right direction. Most people kind of know what they want and what they want to achieve. They just sometimes need someone to 
kind of voice their concerns and then point them in the right direction. That's pretty much what my job is mm-hmm. most of the time, just sitting and letting someone talk at you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's really interesting that most people know what they need. So mm-hmm. in health, we talk about that a lot in person-centered care. And, oh, but the patient knows what they need or, you know, we're all our experts in our own well-being. But actually in health, like, I look back now and I think I didn't practice that. Mm-hmm. I was telling people what to do. So when I see that now when people come to coaching, and it's like, well, actually, I'm not going to give you the answers. This is a non-directive. This is a non-expert space. You have all of the answers, and I'm just going to help you unpick them. And people having that knowledge and having all of the answers is much more sustainable and incredibly powerful. Like, oh, I'm getting started. I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, it's so true. It's amazing. It's amazing the stuff that you see. I mean, we've had some amazing uh, conversations and insights. It's, it's incredibly powerful. I basically went on this journey when I was writing this book, and I, I mean, I did everything. So I was hypnotized. Was it three times I owned it? I only hit time a few times, she's brilliant, she's like a wizard. Um, <laughs> she, she took me to the beach and we saw rainbows and everything. And, and I was like, well, I'm okay for you to talk openly about what came up. So she said, you know, when I was 10, I had this, I made this belief that I needed balance and calm in my life. And I, I associated that with eating, it was a happy thing. It was never something I needed to punish myself. But it was just a, a sort of celebration. But I would go to food for calm and balance. I go, well, surely you can find calm and balance in other ways, right? But just having that, that space and, and then, you know, really exploring and unpicking why we do certain things. Mm. And a lot of it, how much would you say is it from childhood, the issues that we struggle with, that pull us away from being inner mojo or our best self? I think they are from everywhere. We're bombarded with them. So, yeah, they're in our upbringing, they're in the culture that we live in, the stuff that we're seeing, absorbing, it's from the media, our families, our friends, our schools, TV, like it's all around us, you know, telling us to behave a certain way, following certain rules. And it's only when you step back and question them that you kind of begin to see that, you know. And it was kind of similar to the conversation that we had earlier around girls and um, with Rachel Hamilton and the things that we're led to believe that we're. As girls that were meant to, you know, be quiet, not make a fuss, look good, all of those things. But actually, well, unpick that and why? What is that? And do you think that social media has kind of amplified it? I think it's amplified it. It's mm-hmm. a good word. Yeah, I think it's already there, but it's more accessible because we can just go and look, search up a hashtag, and it'll have it'll be there at our fingertips. But I think it's 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 also subtler than that. You know, it's all mm-hmm. around. It's just the language that we use, and it's everywhere. And that doesn't have to be a negative thing. I mean, you know, you can also, like, I know my family, I have, like, four sisters, and they're all, like, bonkers, but they're really, like, encouraging. So if I go home, they're like, you're amazing, and that, like, feels really good. So sometimes the things that we're told can, you know, help us feel amazing, but we just need to question them. And we make all these stories in our head about ourselves, but also about other people. And one thing launching the podcast has taught me is taking time to really listen, but not just listen, Listen with a really open mind. If someone says to me on the podcast, I've got serious money issues, and you're going, that's a metaphor for someone else, right? Or in control, or, or really, why is someone that way? Rather than just, and, and I did it with dad at first, you know, but he was, at that point, he needed medication and he needed help. But we, we take things personally, and that's to do with their ego again, and it's just part of our mind that's just a little bit, I don't know there to challenge us, I guess, and we've got, we've got a choice what we do with that, but it's so easy to judge other people, you know, you have this friend who never makes an effort with you, and you take it personally and it impacts your ego, but maybe they're really struggling, or, you know, every day I've got 
hundreds of people coming on my website and they're finding a, a, a post that I wrote two years ago saying, why does no one like my Facebook post? So I wrote an article trying to spin it on the other way, but every day people are searching. They're, they're stressed that people aren't liking their posts. Rather than take it personally and think, well, maybe they've not seen your posts. Maybe they don't want to become like a robot, like in everything. Maybe they just want to dip in and out. But it's actually destroying friendships because you're saying, well, you didn't like my post, you don't know what I'm up to. You know, this is the sort of society we're living in now. We're not talking to each other and we're taking things personally. If we've not got that like from that person or they've not commented on what lasagna we had the other night. <laughs> and I think it's, yeah, it's, I think it's just talking about it and, and trying to see it from a, a different perspective. Mm -hmm. I think it's also learning to love yourself and as cheesy as that sounds, like, you know, accepting yourself for all of your faults and all of your stuff and like loving yourself enough that actually it doesn't really matter what people think the lasagna you ate, you know, that you've got, you feel good enough, secure enough and you know yourself well enough to know that that stuff doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And it can be hard. Yeah. 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 I, I actually, I, I don't want to bring it back to social media and just talk about that, but I do find that there is definitely a link between the amount of time people spend on social media and how negative they view them, negatively they view themselves. Mm -hmm. I'm the same, you can get into a habit of just mindlessly scrolling through these perfected images, perfect bodies, uh, supplements, people telling you you should be a certain way, you should look a certain way, and it really does impact your mental health. Yeah. It's interesting because I always think you come across uh, so well and positively on social media. But I suppose that's you can be showing the effect that it has. Yeah, I, I still get impacted myself. Oh, yeah, I like to think I can see through the crap that a lot of people yeah. can't from being clued up about nutrition or whatever, but I still, you still compare yourself to others when you see these perfect bodies and people on holiday always looking happy and everything's perfect in life that's and it's just true. not that way. It's but just, yeah. Believe me, I work with these people. It's not always, <laughs> you know, everybody has stuff. Yeah. I think it's, it's just reminding ourselves that we, we do all have these thoughts no matter how happy we might seem. We all have a mind that needs controlled. We all have a mind that needs a little bit of a, you know, come on, just go easy on me here, you know? And that's a support system. Nice. Do we want to take some questions from anybody? Got any questions for anybody on the panel? Any thoughts, insights, observations? Don't be shy. Vanessa? So we don't have a microphone, but do you want to just <coughs> shout? Yeah. So, Jojo, what are the top things that do help you get your motion back? Like, five top things. Right, five top. Um, I would say sharing. But, sh but sharing um, and, and listening to, um, listening with a really open mind. Like I have some friends say, how do you put up with your husband? He's so annoying at this or whatever. <laughs> and I would go, well actually, he had quite a tough childhood so maybe that's why that is. Maybe, you know, he's about control. He likes to know things. So it's actually looking into the bigger picture rather than taking it personally or letting it impact my ego. It's, don't get me wrong, there are days I'm like, Oh, 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 trying to get them to do a session with them. I think you're really good at that. You are really good at taking in the bigger picture. I just think it's so important. It's yeah. so hard to do sometimes, and you know we all slip up, but it's like a daily reminder. Um, I'd say exercise, movement. Um, so I spend a lot of time in the outside pool with David Lloyd, um, who I am an ambassador for. So I, I, that's kind of a place I can be mindful and almost meditate. Because I'm under the sky, so something about being in the warm, 
it's the closest I've got to my own private pool. And uh, sometimes I'm there on my own and they're, and they're like, oh, yeah. Um, so exercise, uh, running, uh, having time just to be creative as well. Because our brains are made to be creative and use our imagination. We're not meant to be letting like, control us with all the bad stuff like the fear and the anxiety. And of course that's in there, but when I take a bit more time to you know, move my body, dance around the kitchen, and mm -hmm. um, definitely music, really easy to get lost in it and shake it off um, that's something that really helps me um, two more I like the way you give me five meditation um, meditation they say if we can get is it our kids doing it there'll be no wars I mean I'm getting money into it now at six but I just I just love it to have that quiet time to try and let go of all the anger that you feel for people because people will hurt us all the time even if it's someone putting their fingers up on the traffic or like tailgating you and being an ass it's trying to just let go of every day of anyone that said something that you could hold on to because in 10 years you're not going to remember that probably it's not really big enough to impact your life but our, our mind kind of likes to play tricks on us so meditation really helps um, and a social media detox. I've not really been on much today, um, but I do try and have like a day on the weekend where I put the phone away for five, six hours, um, longer if I can, unless I have work commitments, but just having that space away. And I do get a bit of anxiety because I was hacked this week and loads of people were unfollowed and it was horrible. And I had people with an app that tells them when someone unfollows them, messaging me saying, what did I do? And I was like, oh, nothing, it wasn't me, it wasn't me. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of anxiety that comes with social media, especially when you're like me and you're a people pleaser and you love people. So, sometimes I just have to be strict and take myself away. I mean, Emma said to me in a session, you're very much about other people. And I was like, oh really? I was told once I was selfish, so that someone else's belief is mm -hmm. yes. um, And actually I'm not. Challenge that, so you might, so taking time space to go actually know it's, and someone actually said to me in the mindfulness course on, on Monday um, I, I said when I was meditating well, sometimes I feel when I do self care because I have to practice it practice what I preach, I feel selfish and the guy next to me said but that's not a bad word selfish doesn't have to be a bad word I thought I, I like that actually mm. I like that you didn't say singing did you say singing? You said music. Music. Yeah. music means singing, dancing, anything <laughs> Those who follow Jojo on social media will know her uh, singing with a camera, which I just love because I could never do that. <laughs> Brilliant. Okay, any other questions, insights, thoughts? I'm just wondering what exactly it is that you call Mojo? Just being your authentic, true, calm, uh, energetic self? Mm -hmm. I would say when all ego is pushed aside and you're not, you're, you're speaking completely your truth. So you are saying exactly what you think without worrying, as long as you're not being nasty. Um, so you're just, it's kind of that feeling of freedom when you're not, you kind of, because we all need a routine and we all need to be spontaneous as well. Um, we all need quiet moments, calm moments, but we need a bit of, you know, wild, wildness. Um, so I would say it's when you're, you don't have to be dancing on the tables, partying. Your mojo could be that you're just, sitting really still, like enjoying life. Now whether you believe we have a soul or a spirit, it's that thing where you're out of your mind, you're out of your critical mind, so you're in the state of just living. Um, and I, I, 
chapter 14. Um, I'll read you a wee bit, because when I was writing this, I was feeling quite passionate. The final chapter in my book is called It's Time for a, a Mojo Injection. And... Uh, time for a Mojo Injection. Could you hold that in a sec? Two seconds. Which chapter are you, Michael? Nine. <laughs> <laughs> you forgot earlier. <laughs> Imagine every day you woke up excited, ready to go out and live. Because you see, when we live, it shows in our eyes and we're ready to embrace a new day. A day that most people don't get to live. We made it here. The chances of you being born are 1 in 400 trillion, not 1400 trillion. Um, you are already amazing. My wish is that you choose to live. You choose to swim, because it is a choice. You choose to tell the negative thoughts in that sweet head of yours to shut it because, my friend, it was time you got your mojo back. It's a choice. It's not easy. It's, we have to choose to do that and then sink or swim. We, ha we, ha we have a choice. So it's, it's saying, well, I'm going to swim through this even when it's a bit rocky. Does you want to say? Yeah, that analogy probably doesn't work for you then. <laughs> Choose to dance. <laughs> I think there's a question Some back there on the left. I just wonder so much. Um, and the society is changing all the time, and obviously children have different challenges to adults, especially. It's okay, and Michael and I are going in to do a talk in a school next week, actually, for World Mental Health Week, um, and it's something I want to do a whole lot more of. I know Emma does a lot too, um, just talking really openly about it and, and actually having courses to you know help people with both online bullying and the pressure on there, but also how important it is to take that detox from the screen because at the end of the day the older you get the less you care about what people think in the sense that you get a bit more confidence but for teenagers they say with their hormones it's equivalent to being a psychopath so that's a lot of pressure you know I, I'm already terrible and I can see Bonnie I mean she's six so I can see she's getting a wee bit feistier um, and it's something we need more of we need to really go hard on the schools we need more mindfulness in schools more education um, I know it's something you want to do more of too. Yeah, especially on the kind of nutrition and exercise front, just because there is so much misinformation out there. Um, it's not something I've done before, kind of speaking to kids in regards to nutrition. I'm wondering whether I should do the Jamie Oliver dressing up as like a <laughs> human peapod. Um, but yeah, do, is there much in the syllabus at the moment? It's not something I'm aware of, to be honest, in they, regards to social media. They're getting better. I went yeah. to a peering council meeting and I was going on about it, and they were like, but people don't always want to see that. Um, and I say, actually, sometimes people don't want to look to be, you know, because it was talking for parents as well. Um, parents might not make it obvious that they're going to these events, but actually some of the ones on anxiety or they're being full. So it's, it's hard for them to, to make a call on that if people aren't openly saying, oh, we need this. 
but actually there's a massive demand there. It's, it's quite scary actually the things that are going on and the stats, so we need to do a lot more. I definitely want to. But there's a lot of good funding out there for resources for schools to tap into, so for things like mindfulness and um, kids who are experiencing emotional stress at a really young age, there is like specific funding coming from the government to, to, to help support those kids. I think schools are really struggling in general, the state schools with numbers and they've got challenges with teachers and trying to train all the teachers up to be all of the things is really hard. Um, my experience from working in public health and health promotion where we tried to engage with schools, it was, it was quite challenging. But I know that there are like, you know, voluntary sector organisations and groups that are going in and getting funding and going in and doing stuff at the school. What, do, what did you mean specifically about going into schools? I, I mean, I think it, it, for everybody, but obviously, you know, for children especially, mm -hmm. So actually now when they're saying stuff like, oh God, I can't do whatever, it's like, well, and they have that language now, oh, so what if you approach that with a growth mindset, what might you do? Oh, well maybe I would try and shift it a little. So there's some really nice things happening in school, there could be a lot more, um, but yeah. Great question. Yeah. All really great. Yeah? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Can everybody hear that? 
No, it's a slight idea that actually, so it doesn't have to be about policy shifts and change, but actually we can make a difference in our own communities and individually with people. And we spoke about earlier about this idea of like um, taking away judgment and, and just being kind to people. And um, it's what, what, sorry, what's your name? Hmm? What Zoe was saying, but actually we don't have to look for policy changes, although that would be good, but uh, just individual kindness at a local level would be really beneficial. What do you think about that? Yeah, someone wrote and called me a kindness ambassador, so I thought that's probably one of the nicest compliments. Um, so I use that on my website, of course. But uh, <laughs> encouraging people to be kind is, is key. I mean, you can't, you can't beat it. So um, I think we need so much more kindness. Self-care self kindness, but also just more of an open mind to, to why people are acting a certain way. And it's so easy to judge and write people off if they're not being pleasant, but um, yeah, I think kindness is absolute key. And meditation encourages us to be kinder because you're in that space and you're kind of pushing away the negative and trying to let it go, let it go, let it go. You know, um, so, um, I'm aware of time and I'm just thinking, I know that we spoke about giving people like one kind of action to take away from today and is there something in that that you would like people to leave with today in action around kindness or something? Yeah, I'll go with the kindness. Just uh, my thing is judge less, live and love more. Uh, it's a mantra I try and use and it helps me every day when it's so easy to judge someone. Mm -hmm. I'm going to judge them for this. <laughs> Actually, let go and, uh, and to remember that hurt people hurt people. So if you're feeling hurt, well, that person's hurting. So actually, you probably just needed a hug. And uh, and just my final thing is when you hug, don't make it a stingy hug. Just like really go on in and feel that hug. <laughs> feel that hug. So if that's okay with the other person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But um, just 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 hold it a couple of couple of seconds tighter. I'm going to keep it fitness related, obviously. Um, and just uh, in regards to movement, uh, people think that for exercise to have a good impact on their mental health, it has to be kind of exercising five, six days a week. It doesn't need to be that extreme. Just move, just keep moving. It can be simply going for a long walk, uh, dancing in the kitchen to a song, and follow Jojo for some inspiration, or literally anything. Zumba, walking up hills, just keep moving. And this will really, really impact your mental health. Love it. Um, so I would say just like take a moment to think about what makes you happy, what makes you like feel the happiest in life, and then take a moment to think how you can do more of that. That's Well, thank you so much. I can't believe the room's packed out when that legend uh, monks next door. So I can't yeah, believe. There's still a talk on there, though. So. <laughs> I think I'm meant to be signing books. I think I'm meant to be signing books. I think Walter have been selling them all day, and they are tomorrow. Or if you already have a book and you want it signed, I'll nip to the table. And uh, thank you so much for all the questions. It's amazing. Cheers. Thank you. Oh no! I was gonna.
lovely episode chatting with some absolute legends. Um, we didn't do full karaoke in this session, so we'll just do a quick sing out now. Bonnie, do you want to come? And I can see a world that's waiting up for me that I call my own. Through the dark, through the door, through it no it's been before, but it feels like home. Sing it, child. They can say, they can say, it all sounds crazy. You're Bonnie clumping around in little Disney heels. Say, I've lost my mind. I don't care, I don't care, so call me crazy. You're going to break your ankle up. Right, this chorus is very true of what we were just speaking about, okay? Because every night I lie in bed The brightest colours fill my head A million dreams to talk me away I think of what the world could be A vision of the one I see million dreams is all it's gonna take so guys, a million dreams for us just to talk openly, honestly, around mental health, for us to stop demonising words like weird, um, to stop saying we have to admit to our mental health, and just to be really open and honest. Thanks for tuning in, guys. See you again here next week. And um, I'm off to clip and clop around with that little wannabe tap dancer through next door. <laughs> Lots of love. Please give us a star and give us a rating if you enjoyed this.